Truth Espresso, episode 42. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso, to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> and now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. <sighs> this is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 10 through 11, that I may know him, Jesus Christ, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Hello, this is Daniel Minnick, the host of Truth Espresso. I hope you're having a great day. And although this is one day late because I have a regular schedule of posting episodes on Monday, this episode is for Easter Sunday or Resurrection Day, which I hope that you had a wonderful Resurrection Day yesterday. And I would like to hone in on the Apostle Paul's sentiments here in Philippians chapter 3, that the Apostle Paul, who lived a life of sufferings and preaching and traveling through all the things that the Apostle Paul went through, his desire firmly was to know Jesus Christ. And notice the first thing that the Apostle Paul says about knowing Jesus Christ. He says that he may know the power of his resurrection. Sometimes we as Christians, especially in what is often called Western Christianity, focus a lot on the atonement and do not get me wrong, the death, the atoning death of Jesus Christ is definitely something that we can't ignore. In fact, I am a very strong proponent of what would be called a penal substitutionary atonement. I believe that the death of Jesus Christ was not just an example, was not just a symbolic gesture, was just not some kind of act of love that has no power to do anything in and of itself, that I believe that the death of Jesus Christ actually saves, it actually pays the penalty of sins. It sets people free and clear. It was substitutionary in that he bore the penalty of sins so that those who committed sins will receive his righteousness through the righteous life that he lived. So don't get me wrong, I am very strong and very focused on the atoning death of Jesus Christ. But I also want us as Christians to remember that the atoning death is not all there is to Jesus Christ. I have taught Sunday school, adult Sunday school, quite a few times in my adulthood so far, and I have asked the question when I have talked about 
Jesus Christ and really getting to know who he is and what he has done by virtue of who he is, I have asked the question, could Jesus have simply appeared on the scene, shed his blood, died, and then disappeared, and that would be enough. And sometimes evangelical Christians might have to ponder that a little bit because we forget that Jesus actually had to be born for a reason. He actually had to grow up through childhood for a reason. He actually had to live as an adult, and he actually had a ministry in which he taught important moral lessons, and he performed miracles. And although on the flip side, he wasn't just a prophet to do wonderful things so that we can enjoy his ministry, All of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is ultimately important and integral to salvation. And so we have to realize that Jesus could not have just appeared on the scene as an adult human being incarnate and then quickly shed his blood and then die and then disappear and then that would be our atonement and that would be all that there is needed for for life eternal and to think that everything else is superfluous christians we need just like the apostle paul to remember that there is more to jesus christ than dying on the cross in fact Everything else about Jesus Christ actually makes that death on the cross, that atonement, even more significant and more powerful. So as the Apostle Paul says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Let us remember what Easter Sunday or Resurrection Day is meant to celebrate. Yes, there would be no resurrection without first the death. There is no raising from the tomb without Jesus Christ and his dead body being implanted in the ground as a seed, if it were. There is no reason for a resurrection unless there is first an atoning death, and the atonement accomplished the payment for sins. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ completes the story, completes the picture, completes the puzzle, because there are plenty of agnostics and skeptics who, like John Dominic Crossan of the Jesus Seminar, who would accept the idea that there really was a Jesus who was a good man and that he actually died for some kind of reason, such as being a martyr, and that maybe this had something to do with a payment for sins or such. But he doesn't believe that Jesus bodily rose from the dead. And it is important to realize that merely a spirit coming out of the tomb, a spirit creature, is not enough to show the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That resurrection coming out of the tomb as Jesus himself 
prophesied in his ministry and saying that destroy this temple in John chapter 2 and in three days I will raise it up. There is indeed significance as he told his disciples that he must be captured by the leaders and that he must be put to death and on the third day rise again. So what is this power of the resurrection that we can look to as our hope and why we celebrate Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, as such a most important holiday in the Christian tradition that demonstrates that all the religions of the world have nothing to offer for true hope, that have nothing to offer in the venue of absolute truth. So let's tie this power of the resurrection together. Remember that the Apostle Paul said the fellowship of his sufferings and being made conformable unto his death. The Apostle Paul often had death lingering in front of him as he was enthusiastically preaching in his ministry and traveling, being willing to take those beatings, being willing to suffer shipwreck, being willing to suffer illnesses on the ship, being willing to suffer persecutions from his own people with whom he used to be a leader and a zealot. And let's just think of sufferings for a minute. Not just sufferings for the sake of the gospel. Let's think of all suffering. Is there a meaning? Is there a purpose? Not just to suffering. But what does it communicate to us in the grand scheme of things, in the cosmic scheme of things, when we look at the universe and we look at decay and we look at suffering? Where is the hope and where is the closure? Now, if like me, you were brought up as a Christian and you were told the stories of the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus as he taught in the synagogues, but especially as he performed miracles when he broke the loaves and the fishes and amazed people as he fed 5,000 plus hungry souls with a mere lad's lunch. But this power to do miracles was not just to show that he was just some special prophet. And he didn't just do miracles because he wanted to heal people's immediate sicknesses. He didn't just make a scene so that he can heal people of their immediate needs. No, the healing, the miracles that Jesus performed spoke to who he was and spoke to a greater fulfillment, a greater hope than just getting over the palsy, being made to walk and yet look forward to death once again. The healing of Jesus Christ showed that he had the power to do more than just heal us temporarily. And as a child, I remember learning about these things, learning about his ministry and just thinking to myself how much I w wished that I could live during that time so that, you know, when I felt sick, because as a child I experienced 
bronchitis and pneumonia and things like that quite often, croup, and just thinking about Jesus as the great physician, as the crowds gathered and and. And as the woman with the issue of blood, who just crawled in faith, and if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And she did. She touched the hem of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood was healed. And as I look at Matthew chapter 8 and verses 16 through 17, where Matthew narrates and says, And when the even, the evening, was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And this is a quotation from Isaiah chapter 53. So, when Jesus Christ bore our sicknesses, he also healed them. But we'd have to remember that Jesus Christ himself, even as the great physician, as the word of God says, he is, he is a great high priest. He is not removed from the feeling of our infirmities. And he was in all points tempted, like as we are yet without sin. And so, the great physician who healed all manner of diseases, we have to remember that he himself experienced sickness. He himself experienced pain as God the Son incarnate. In order to be like us fully and to be our substitute, he lived a life that experienced pain and testing and sickness. And so the one who's incarnate had the power to heal. And as a child, just like you, if you were brought up as a Christian and taught about the life of Jesus and how he healed people and how you wished you could be there to meet him and know that just a touch a spoken word, and that you can have faith, and he can just immediately heal you. And you feel like you're deprived of that because you live 2,000 years later. And although we have the marvels of modern Western medicine, sometimes almost at our fingertips, it's still not perfect, and people still get sicknesses for which there is no medicine and no surgery, no cure. We all have friends and family who at some point in time or even right now experience that message from the doctor as he examines an x-ray and comes back and has to tell you and deliver the news that you have a a terminal disease or something that will result in a shortened form of life, result in pain that can only be partially assuaded. And there can be treatments, but they do not rid you of that disease. And you think that if you lived during that time when Jesus was walking on the earth incarnate as a human being, If you could just have the faith and he can touch you or speak the word to you, you would be healed. And oh, 
how we are deprived of that. But let us not lose sight of the fact that although we missed that by 2,000 years, we are not deprived of the power of Jesus to heal in the ultimate sense. Because Jesus' healing on earth was just a small token of what he has to offer, a small token that demonstrates his power to heal the universe. Let's look for an example at Jesus as he and Mary and Martha lost a friend named Lazarus. Lazarus being Mary and Martha's brother, And as Jesus arrived at Mary and Martha's house, John chapter 11 and verse 21, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, will give it thee. And Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, who should come into the world. And at this point, Martha had no idea what Jesus meant to explain to her then. She had the hope of the resurrection, but she, at this point, didn't even realize that the one who had the power to raise the dead and will raise the dead had the power to raise Lazarus, her brother, from the dead, even in this life, even in this side of eternity, even in this side of the judgment, even on this side of the resurrection on the last day. And so the one who could heal the sick also had the power to raise the dead. But may I help us to realize here that this was still just a token of the power of Jesus. Because his sufferings, as he was made to suffer like we do, as a human being, as God incarnate, as the Son of God incarnate, to suffer in this life, to be like us as our substitute, and then to die that atoning death on the cross, that would ultimately lead to his resurrection on the third day. And that is what we celebrate. This Easter Sunday, this resurrection day, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But it means more than just that the man, Jesus Christ, came up out of the tomb. Jesus didn't rise just to raise himself. Yes, he prophesied that he would raise himself on the third day, but he didn't just raise so that his disciples could see their friend and their master again. He didn't just raise from the dead for his own well-being. He didn't just die to atone for our sins and then raise himself 
His resurrection has more power than that. And as the Apostle Paul said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, that I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Let's see some of the Apostle Paul's reasoning of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it means for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that wonderful resurrection passage that tells us the gospel, how that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And he continues his reasoning about the resurrection of Jesus Christ as he argues against an error that was being preached in that church that is also preached in some different ways, even today, by some cults or by some agnostics in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? For if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a necessary completion of the atonement. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. And so the resurrection of Jesus Christ has all the power of God, has all the creation power of God. And as God has created things and that they were corrupted by the sin of Adam, by the fall, and that brought death. And as Adam is a federal head of all his progeny and they inherit his sin nature and they commit sin and they experience death based upon the sin that Adam brought in, Re- in uh, Romans chapter 5. We see that Jesus Christ is a new federal head by being a child born of the woman, but born of a virgin, that he is now, although fully human and fully God, he is now a new federal head. And we who have Adam as our federal head can then have Christ as our new federal head and have victory over the sin and death that Adam brought upon all his progeny. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ has that healing power, has that creation power for a new creation. 
and that Jesus Christ in rising from the dead to an incorruptible, immortal body is the first fruits of them that slept. And so we, if we are in Christ Jesus, through our faith in his death and burial and resurrection, which is the gospel, we have Jesus Christ as our federal head. So our life was lived through him, his substitutionary life, his sufferings are our sufferings, his death is now our death, and his resurrection is now our resurrection, and he is the firstfruits when he came up out of the tomb, immortal, incorruptible, still human, but a glorified human body, that that is the firstfruits of what we will experience, and that is the hope that we will have in the resurrection of ourselves. And it is not that we raise ourselves, it is all Jesus Christ to give us the hope. Our hope is entirely upon Him. And that historical event of the amazing resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want us to think about these uncertain times when the world is battling this pandemic of the coronavirus and we are undergoing these stay-at-home orders, these shelter-in-place orders, and I don't like all the politics of it, but just think about all the fear that people have. What does the world have to offer people in times like this? What do the fearless leaders in government have to offer people? Trust us, and maybe we can make something kind of good, maybe at least a little bit tolerable, come out of something horrible. And maybe we can make your lives a little bit miserable so that your death might be postponed. And some people, all they have to look forward to is nothing but a a reduced quality of life before they kick the bucket. And that's all that their hope is entirely in this life. And healing is entirely based upon a government system managing health care that is never going to be perfect. And they have no hope. They have no closure. They have nothing to look forward to but possibly extending the existence of this pitiful world, this little speck in the grand scheme of things that maybe this tiny infinitesimally sized planet with pitiful little human beings that have no real reason for existing might be able to manage to stretch out their existence long enough and maybe, maybe not. Maybe some meteor might just come out of nowhere and lose course and collide with Earth and kill us all. Or maybe the Earth might somehow get out of orbit and we all freeze to death or start being drawn by gravity too close to the sun and we all cook to death. There's, there's no reason at all to explain why we have this life in the first place. 
And sickness is just an unfortunate consequence of other creatures, other things like bacteria that just happen to grow and they need a a parasite, Uh, they need a host to live and, and it brings us pain and they suck the life out of us and unfortunately that's life in this ridiculous existence that provides no hope and no closure. And as the Apostle Paul in all the sufferings that he could have went without, he could have stayed in with the leadership position that he enjoyed with the the zealots in Judaism, and he could have continued to kill these radical Christians who believe that this Jewish man, Jesus, actually rose from the dead. And he could have continued on that and not endured the sufferings that he imposed upon himself seemingly if he didn't receive a message from Jesus Christ that he would bear his name before Israel and kings and Gentiles. And so the Apostle Paul realized that there was more than this life. As a Pharisee, he realized that there was a promised resurrection from the dead. But as he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, and as Jesus revealed more to him who he was, and that Jesus himself rose from the dead before that last day of resurrection, the Apostle Paul realized that Jesus Christ is the resurrection, that the resurrection is integrally tied to Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins is all wrapped up in him, his life, his death, and his resurrection. That the power of the resurrection walked among us, the power to heal, to create, to forgive, and to raise up was walking the earth as a human being, and now risen, Jesus Christ, called one named Saul, a persecutor of Christians, to be the Apostle Paul, who suffered tremendously, but with the goal in mind, realizing that the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. And as Christ himself is the firstfruits of our resurrection, he is the new and living hope. The prophet Isaiah revealed from God in Isaiah 25 and verse 8, He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God, Yahweh, will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. And this brings us to Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. And I, referring to John, saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven, saying, Behold! The tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them 
and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And verse 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. So what is the basis for God making all things new, and a new heaven, and a new earth, a new creation? And what is the basis for him being able to wipe all tears from our eyes and getting rid of pain and sorrow? Because what is new is what is resurrected. And how is sin removed? Because the curse of sin, the wages of sin is death. And the pain, as the Apostle Paul said, that the creation groans and travails together in pain until now. But the hope is the resurrection because of Jesus Christ and what he did to make all things new and to give us that hope of a resurrection in which we no longer have to endure the pains of this life and that we will be raised in a new and glorified body that will be immortal that will never experience pain or sorrow ever again because it is a new creation. And how is that brought about? Because a child was born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, born fully human, born to feel pain, born to feel our pain, born to bear our griefs, and carry our sorrows, and to be stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, to be one who can relate to us in pain and suffering and testing through the Incarnation. The Incarnation is of utmost import. Living as a child is of utmost import, that He be our substitute teaching what he taught to reveal what the law of God truly meant and to bring about the new covenant is of utmost import and performing the miracles of healing. It was not just to put on a show, but to give us a taste of the power of the one who would heal, not just temporarily, but permanently, forever, and to show that he had the power over sickness and demons, but ultimately then the power over death himself, and as the one who would die in our place and pay the penalty of those who would believe in him and be raised together with him, and that he would be the firstfruits of them that slept, so that in everything Christ is wrapped up he is absolutely everything. As the Apostle Paul said in Colossians 1, that in him or by him all things consist or hold together. And so the existence of the universe itself has no meaning or purpose if it is not summed up and held together and proclaim Jesus Christ in 
everything about him, his birth, his childhood, his adulthood, his ministry, his miracles, his power over death, his power to bring life, and then him being a ransom, being the atonement for our sins in his death, but not just to stay dead but to be buried and raised the third day so that his resurrection becomes our resurrection. He is the first fruits of them that slept. And so I know we who grew up as Christians, who grew up taught about Jesus Christ and how much we would long to have lived during the time of Jesus so that if we were sick and we could just touch the hem of his garment, hear him speak a word, we would be healed. But that's just a foretaste of the hope that we have and that through his resurrection, we get a new body, a glorified body like his victory over sin and death, victory over the grave, Victory to live a life of constantly worshiping and serving Jesus Christ, singing his praises, never feeling pain, never having a need to cry, and never having to look toward that day of death ever again. And so this history, the story of history in all the events of people who are supposed to be great, who do great and marvelous things, and then they die, is that all that there's meant to be? To look forward, nothing but to return to the dust of the earth in this mirage of life? Or is there meaning to reality? And the only way that anything can make sense at all is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Death has no meaning but a nuisance without explanation if we don't have that closure, that story of meaning and conquering death, because death was introduced by sin. And when sin is removed... And the resurrection, the recreation introduces life immortal. We see that death had a reason. And we see that conquering death is the only thing that makes sense. Do we just have a universe that exploded out of nothing for no reason at all? And somehow life was introduced through no reason at all, just random chance with no real transcendent purpose and somehow life began and just like some machine it has to somehow end somehow and maybe people will have futile efforts searching for that mythical fountain of youth that maybe there's a way to keep our pitiful existences going longer but it's all meaningless it's all purposeless. It's all almost like a sick joke, an illusion, a mirage that we even have experiences and we don't even know how we can entrust our experiences. Maybe the senses we have haven't evolved far enough to tell us all the information about which our existences experience. That's a consideration when you don't have the absolute truth that the Word of God presents to us. 
And we can conquer our sin. We can conquer our sickness. We can conquer our death. There is hope. There is ultimate hope. There is closure. And that closure only comes through understanding Jesus, as the Apostle Paul said, that his purpose in life, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, and that Christ, who is our life, shall appear, and that sickness and death will be over. It's not just an accident, and it's not just an unfortunate side effect of random mutations and evolutionary process that all we have to look forward to is just to try to make the best out of our life, hoping to be able to die in as little pain as we can come up with, and hoping that some other random chance event doesn't happen that inflicts a tremendous amount of pain or destroys the earth and all human beings forever from the existence of the universe. That can't be the truth. There has to be meaning and purpose. And those who think that there's such a thing as right and wrong and don't understand the truth of Jesus Christ are doing nothing but borrowing from the truth of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and his death and his life and his resurrection must be true for right and wrong itself to have any meaning. And the resurrection must be true even for death itself to make sense. There must be closure for death to make sense. And I am so thankful that God exists and that he has given us his word, that he has revealed his truth, and that the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son incarnate, showed us completing the puzzle, revealing the ultimate truth of reality and bringing closure and revealing meaning and purpose to our existence and showing us that we can actually have hope. And he put that hope on display with himself and that we who are in him, who trust in him, who believe in his death and burial and resurrection, have that hope. And if you are listening to this episode and you don't have that hope, may I ask you, May I plead with you to trust in the only one who can give hope to what otherwise is nonsense, to what otherwise is meaningless pain and death for naught. Trust in the one who bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Trust in the one who was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is dumb. Trust in the one who paid the penalty for sins, and that you can have that hope as he would bear your sins in his body on the tree, as the Apostle Peter says, that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. For without that, you have nothing. Thank you for waking up with Truthspresso. Good morning, and God bless your day.
Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.